Hey everyone, and welcome to the Secure AF Podcast. I'm your host, Wes Malone. I'm stepping in for Teddy Undercoffler today to share an extra special episode. Just a few weeks back, I got the opportunity to speak with some cybersecurity professionals about their thoughts and experience working in the industry. Before I get into it, I've got to mention these interviews were recorded live at a cybersecurity conference in Arkansas on the patio, so apologies for the background noise. Hopefully it won't be too distracting. Anyway, let's go ahead and introduce these cyber pros now. My name is Ryan O'Connell. I am a senior manager for our security architects and our field CTO organization, Snowflake. My name is John Wagnon, and I'm a solutions engineer. Uh, company is Fortinet. My name is Matt Bunch. I get to lead cybersecurity at Tyson Foods, so I'm senior director of information security and cyber. How long have you been in the cybersecurity field as a whole? About 15 years. I've worked for Tyson for over 25 years. So tell me, how did you get into cybersecurity? So my intro was, I was an intelligence officer in the Navy. And you always have as a collateral duty the IT folks of spinning up servers globally on deployments and making sure those things were secure. Um, Then I had the opportunity to to go and stand up, help stand up Fleet Cyber Command. That was right around the time that Obama stood up U.S. Cyber Command. Cool. And I was charged with developing a threat intelligence analysis for cyber threats to Navy networks. In college, I was a computer engineering major, and so that sort of, you know, started started the journey. I was in the Air Force uh, as a communications officer, so I did computer networking, you know, radio, satcom, that kind of thing, and then have just stayed in that field, you know, um, since then. So kind of from, from early on. Yeah. Did you have a interest in computers and endless curiosity as a kid or did right. you start in college? Well, it's it was the computer thing kind of started in college. I've always been sort of a math science kind of guy, mm-hmm. you know, and, and so I got computer engineering because I thought, hey, these computers will be around for a while, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> that was a good estimation. That's right. That's right. I'm not a native cybersecurity guy. Okay. I haven't been hands-on keyboard, firewalls, all that kind of stuff for 25 years. Okay. So I'm a traditional IT person coming in, got my computer engineering degree, went back to school year years later, got my master's of information systems and, and solving problems was always what really drove me. And so for me, I've always been very curious. You know, started programming at a very young age, started deconstructing uh, circuit boards, uh, building robots, that whole sci-fi effect. And so for me, uh, computers have always been an area that really drove a lot of curiosity, but there was always a cybersecurity focus. How do you communicate cybersecurity needs to your customers? Like, as a small business, we often have conversations with people who are having their minds blown. So, how do you go about that? Yeah, I think it, I think it's you know you have to it's a lead a horse to water approach. Like, you, you yeah. have to begin to ask. It's very it's much more consultative. It's 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 a lot of discovery, you know, and and, and then those deep interrogative questions around what else could you be doing. Right. How come you can't do that? Right. Um, that all matters from a, from a gap in skills in the cybersecurity space and the you know, straight-up volume of the data, security data that's coming in and out. Um, and it, it really does wind up, you know, and, and part of it is painting a vision for what I think modern security analytics look like. Then they begin to, you begin to bridge those gaps and they begin to understand, oh, these are the things I can't do today. Here's the things that I, I, I wish I could do. Right. And mapping those tools and, and, and processes to, to get them to that you know, to a better state, right? Sure. It's not no, no promised land, but right. <laughs> there's tons of use cases. I mean, they, they usually tend to start with threat detection and response. There's there's compliance use cases, obviously. There's yeah. you know there's application development, software development, lifecycle use cases. 
but I mean the, the basic blocking and tackling of the of the threat detection and incident response is, is something that's still a gap and still necessary today. Have you ever been part of the red team or are you a strict blue teamer forever? Yeah, so I'm more blue team. Um, and it's not that I'm just blue team. I mean, but I've just done mostly blue team yeah. kind of stuff. Uh, I appreciate the red team guys doing sure. all the attack and keep you honest. Um, that's right. Yeah, we need that. We absolutely need that. Um, I think it's, um, but just the nature of the jobs I've had have been more on the defensive side on the blue yeah. team to say, hey, how do we keep this stuff safe? But you certainly need to understand how the attackers do what they do. Absolutely. It's a fascinating world. I, I actually approach it from the red team perspective as well. It's what can I do with whatever's presented in front of me to make it operate differently than what it was designed to do? You know, what, can Love I it. inject something? Can I take it apart and rewire it a little bit? Uh, is there something that I can do? And so what I really look for is that curiosity. Do you want to understand how things actually work, you know, yeah. at the operating system level, at the chip level? Yeah. Can you understand the human element? And mm-hmm. so uh, I've heard a couple of people say that, you know, uh, cybersecurity is a subcomponent of computer engineering and a sub of computer science. No, it's actually a superset of all of those things and industrial engineering to do process improvement uh, of sociology, understanding yeah. the human and the behavior around it and business because you have to really translate that business understanding, risk management, finance, yep. all the way into computers and ultimately cybersecurity and risk mitigation. How do you stay up to date on trends and new attacks and all the new yeah, things? Yeah, no, yeah, great question. So just, you know, there's a lot of articles, a lot of, um, you know, publications that you can read, uh, different websites or Twitter followers, that kind of thing. But then also just um, little you know, security summits like this here yeah. in Northwest Arkansas or, or some of the big ones, you know, Black Hat or RSA in San Francisco or just yeah. things like that. So try to get out to those whenever I can. So so if you looked at um, not enough publicized issues and you could grab your clients by the shoulders and shake them and say, you are ignoring X, please stop. What would that be? I would posit that they are ignoring the, and I spoke about this, you know, the, the volume of data. Okay. Customers think that you know 90 days of hot data in their sim is is sufficient, or maybe they don't think it's sufficient. They just don't know that there's anything else out there. Right. And I think that that's a power. Stop ignoring that this that security is a data problem. Right. Um, and figure out ways to unlock your security data. That makes sense. I like that. This next question was not quite captured by the microphone. The question I asked Matt Bunch from Tyson Foods was: Due to the size of your organization you're in a unique position to choose whether to build or buy your cybersecurity tools. How do you decide which tools to go with? It's hard sometimes. It yeah. really is. There's, you know, a thousand cybersecurity vendors. And uh, I recently went to the RSA conference out in San Francisco. Yeah. And as I was walking around the floor, I identified 60% of those companies need to go away. Yeah. Because they offer okay. duplicative technology. Some, right. are there, some are very unique. But what they're building is should be a component of something larger. Mm-hmm. So we as an industry really are seeking some consolidation. That doesn't mean it has to be a single vendor developing right. everything, but we really need uh, a better set of tools that can deliver across a range of capabilities instead of you know being fixed to one specific area. Okay. So yeah. uh, I encourage investment. Uh, I encourage people to be innovative. But at the end of the day, we're trying to secure 
endpoints, systems, databases, uh, anything like that. We're trying to secure data, mm -hmm. and, and we're really trying to help people be more productive with what they do and do it in a safe way. Um, tell me a little bit about what is the community for IT and cybersecurity like here in Northwest Arkansas? Yeah, I mean, it's it's cool. Now, granted, I, I just moved here uh, recently, just like uh, maybe a couple of years ago, so I'm still kind of getting into the community. Yeah. Um, but things like this, it's it's great to meet people or maybe see old faces that I knew back in college or whatever. Right. Um, so in the Northwest Arkansas area, I think it's it's probably it's very similar to, to other places. I moved from I was in the St. Louis area for many years, and there it's again tight knit people helping people. Um, you know, it's kind of like we're all in this thing together. Yeah. You know, and so it's it's very collaborative. Um, and I I don't know I, I, if you ask anyone for help, even like you and I right here, you know, yeah. hey, let's just sit down and have a conversation, and and people are willing to do it, and yeah. I, I love that. I do too. I love it. Yeah. yeah. Tell me your favorite part of your job at Fortinet. Yeah, so I think just the constant learning that has to take place. This has been my favorite part of just being in this world is that it is constantly evolving. I mean, I think back to when I got my when I got my degree, my undergrad in computer engineering. You know, we were not talking about ransomware and things like that back then, right? Um, and so it's just an it's a constantly evolving world. So there's always something new to learn. There's always a challenge to, to tackle, and yeah. there's there's never a dull moment. Uh, so you can be as, as busy and engaged as you want to be. So yeah. I, I think that's really cool. My favorite part about the job is that, I mean, we've got just a rock star team of security architects, um, and watching them build success and momentum for the team at these different customers where they're, they're rolling this stuff out. Um, that's, that's, that's my favorite part of the job, right? Like when they, when they go and they talk to senior security leaders at companies and customers, um, get buy-in and then carry that thing through like a proof of concept. And then like, you know, and then you setting criteria for success, then, you know, it becomes, you know, a viable, you know, security analytics use case. That's the, I mean, that's the best part of the job. Yeah. Awesome. You get to see the aha moment yeah. with your customers. The, the favorite part of my job and I got to experience it just about an hour ago mm -hmm. is that we've got uh, a young individual who's joined our team mm -hmm. and he's super excited about learning new things about cybersecurity Excellent. and how he can advance or move forward or deepen his skill sets and so talking to him and helping him realize that there is still such a huge world uh, ahead of himself. Mm -hmm. He doesn't have to hurry up and get there. Right. He can go slowly, but uh, just giving him that encouragement and helping him along, that, that's probably the best part of my life. Okay, tell yeah. me about the scariest thing that you've seen in this role. Just seeing some of the capabilities of like nation state actors and some of the malware that can be launched and yeah. the way it can be you know, deployed to different networks or different systems that you just have no idea that you're, that you have been attacked and that someone is active in your network and you don't know about it for days, months, weeks, maybe years. It's crazy right. to know that that's, that's the case. And so you have no idea the damage that is done or that will be done in the future based on what they got. Um, so that's, that's always a, a scary kind of thing. So, you know, <laughs> I've, I've just always thought, you know, you're sitting at your computer and you're like, I don't know if someone's in this with me right now or not. Yeah. Um, and that's just kind of in the back of my mind. So that's a scary thing. You know, I mean, I think the big piece for me is like, you know, things that go bump in the night are, you know, that, that large organizations worry about are certainly the advanced persistent threat, you know, right. nation state or highly, highly sophisticated organized crime. Um, but, you know, that that obviously matters that you know the threats that i worry about you know the, the ability to get the cyber equivalent of a tank 
um, is is it's pervasive. It's not just with an APT anymore. It could be a script kitty that you know downloads some tool and then can deploy that. Whereas you and I can't go out and purchase a tank, at least not here in the United States. I right. hope, um, but but still have devastating damage. And so I worry about you know it's not necessarily the singular thread. It's 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 the totality of the thread, and then trying to cut through the 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 noise. And figure out, oh, is this just a script kitty, or is this actually an APT? Because that would certainly inform your IR. It would inform like who you're communicating, right, to stakeholders, whether to escalate or if it's an actual APT. Am I going to now look at what other TTPs they use to then go secure the rest of my infrastructure? Whereas if it's like you know script kitty or something like that, or low end cyber criminal, well maybe I don't need to worry about that as much. You talk about zero day threats. Those are always like, hey, we don't know what's going on really before they happen. So any any number of different attack vectors could happen there but um you know ransomware has been big in the news lately and those seem to be prevalent nowadays and you know that in fact there was a little talk yesterday here at this summit about you know what do you do in a ransomware attack and how do you disaster recovery and backups and all that kind of stuff yeah um and then i don't don't know that it keeps me up at night but it's it kind of keeps me annoyed if you will and that is just the phishing stuff that's been going on forever yeah and, uh, and our company's big on that, where they will launch phishing attacks at mm-hmm. us just to see who's going to click and yeah. all that. And they've gotten pretty good. So it's uh, so those are just kind of the tried and true, but people keep using them because they still work, you know? Yeah. We see a lot of things in, in this job, and it could go from the criminal side and to, to the very funny side. Yeah. Uh, one time we uh, had the opportunity to uh, have a webcam. Okay. You know, that, that was videoing uh, an innocuous goose that had laid some eggs. Mm-hmm. And so uh, just understanding what the human behavior is as far as watching this, you know, uh, hen lay eggs mm-hmm. and uh, watching people be so curious about this process that happens all the time. Yeah. So, so that, that was a very funny part of one of my days. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's nonchalant, but it really highlighted number of things from the security perspective because those individuals weren't thinking about security at all right they were thinking about you know the, this gift that was being given to the environment and and what they didn't realize was this camera was pointed at a sensitive area uh, and so didn't record anything bad but I uh, really could have given a threat actor a window into uh, our environment yeah and so uh, teaching people how to think about those things yeah. just being more conscious the scariest thing that I see is like the myopic focus on like there's a ransomware attack or something like that and then like oh well they're only worried about the core of what is you know potentially compromised and encrypted as opposed to like oh I also need to open up the aperture to look like oh is this are these cloud solutions vulnerable right and how do I lock those down and then you look and you start to peel that in back and they're still using you know they've got service accounts that are still using static credentials, you know, straight up username and password, right? Like that's an entry to the front door. That's the scariest thing that I see is like, yes, the soda straw effect is real when like you're in it and there's ransomware, you know, but but, like taking a step back to to like, oh wait, that all the preparation that should have been done is step one of SANS IR's, you know, IR playbook or IR steps. Um, that's That's the scariest stuff that I see. You ever found any actionable threat intelligence that you had to move on before there was an incident? That any specific events you can tell me about? So we haven't had any uh, that we've had to take immediate action on. Mm-hmm. But what we typically find are those indicators saying, "Hey, someone is preparing." 
Yes. So making sure that companies really take a look at how they manage their brand and their domains, that, that's really critical because there's a lot of great information and great solutions that will go and help you find impersonations. And right. those are really the first keys that someone is thinking about either attacking you directly or attacking potentially one of your suppliers or customers. Yeah. And so if you can get that kind of intelligence, that gives you a really good forewarning of what could happen. And there's also good ways of mitigating some of that. Sure. I mean, it sounds like the, the goal would be, of course, to balance the prevention, the detection with knowing how to recognize indicators of compromise, not just, oop, there's smoke, I bet there's fire. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. But the best way that we've found to do that is to create partnerships. Yes. Partnerships in the industry, partnerships with your security partners uh, that provide you that tooling, but also within your uh, community, state, whatever it is, there's right. a lot of great resources. There are a lot of fantastic resources in the state of Arkansas that we can take advantage of, along with industry associations. So there's a lot of things that you can do and as long as security professionals realize that there may be competitive components about how I do cyber versus one of my competitors yeah. but at the end of the day we're really all trying to protect the same thing. Yeah. And we get asked all the time from young people that are in college or maybe mm -hmm. still in high school right. how do I get into cybersecurity jobs? Sure. What would your advice be to a 17-year-old that's looking at getting into tech and yeah. specifically security? Yeah, no, that's a great question. So, I mean, you can go the route of, you know, the computer science degree or, you know, some kind of cyber engineering degree. That's That would be a great way to go. Uh, but there's so many certifications now. There's so many other um, things that you don't necessarily need a four-year degree. I would just say get a skill. There's... Uh, a, a skill that's marketable, whether that's, um, you know, like a pen tester. We just talked about red team versus blue team right. kind of stuff. Uh, and you can get, you can start to do those things uh, without needing a four-year degree. So, um, so you can do, you know, there's a lot of open source um, uh, opportunities to just get into different projects that companies that, you know, they'll, they'll put out problems or issues that they have. And then you can open source, you know, solve that. Um, and you can take some of these little low-hanging fruit, like little easy projects to solve and, and go ask other people if you need help. But you can start to solve those and then you build up a, a skill set that just gets you in the door. And then once you're in, once you're in this community, then the opportunities are endless, I think. Yeah. I mean, there's so many places to go and things to do. Absolutely. So There's a lot of ways to get into the industry, and you don't have to come through a traditional IT path if that's uh, if that's not where your strong suit is. Uh, you can come in from the risk mitigation side, so understanding risk uh, from the finance perspective, compliance. You can go come in from the traditional IT, but at the end of the day, what we're looking for is somebody who is curious. Yeah. Someone who wants to ask the question why, and they're not satisfied with the answer that they're given. They want to dig a little further and dig a little further. Yes. And someone who can actually sit down and listen and understand concepts, but then take that back and be uh, practical in how we can deliver an offensive or a defensive capability. I love that. That's that's perfect. I really appreciate the time you gave me. Uh, very helpful. Amen. Yeah, so that's awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah, of course. That's great. Well, I think that's a perfect note to end on. I just really appreciate that. Well, thanks for your time.
All right, everybody, that's going to do it for this episode. Thanks so much for listening. Huge thank you to our guests for sitting down with me for these chats. If you'd like to listen to more episodes of the Secure AF podcast, check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and YouTube, or go to secureafpodcast.com. New episodes every other Thursday, so stay tuned for the next one.